fanatics football uh the football segment of the fantasy fanatics podcast i'm your host once again james and i'm joined once again by nate what's up man so all right in today's episode we'll just be talking about uh, some of the news around the nfl in terms of free agency i know there's been a lot of cuts but we'll mostly talk about some of the bigger signings that have gone around the league and then we'll also talk about our 2021 uh, wide receiver rankings. We'll be just reviewing our personal top 12 rankings, just, just an early outlook at what the wide receiver landscape might be in terms of uh, fantasy for this coming football season. So uh, let's just hop right into it. Um, just taking a look at some of the signings, we'll go over some of the major ones. First off, Dak Prescott signing a huge four-year, $160 million extension with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, most people say that this contract is well-deserved for, for the way he's played the last few seasons. Um, I know $126 million of that is guaranteed money, and it really looks like Dallas wants to keep him around for the foreseeable future. What do you think about this contract? This is like NBA-level contract right here. Yeah, I know it's it's a huge deal. Um, I mean, it looks like even Jerry Jones is putting faith in him, even after uh, his tough injury uh, this past season. And it just really looks like that the Cowboys sort of have the direction they want to go in the future. Yeah, I mean, the I think Dak Prescott is a talented quarterback, and he is um, – He's under 30, which is a really good sign. So he can potentially be in, uh, playing for the Cowboys for a very long time. So that's another good thing as well. Yeah, um, he'll most likely, um, like assuming the, the four years of this contract goes well, he'll mostly sign another extension, I guess, in his early 30s. So I guess him wanting the four-year deal instead of the five-year deal is just I guess for his personal reasons of, you know, being a little bit younger when he becomes a free agent again. So then maybe he might get another multi-year deal. Yeah, I guess this way, um, the contracts situation is more like in his favor. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. And um, I, I guess in terms of that, uh, the Cowboys uh, probably had to free up a lot of cap space. I know that they were doing that uh, this past week. And um, from the looks of it, uh, this team should be competitive next year. Um, hopefully they can improve things on defense as well. Yeah, well, we'll have to see um, after what the cap space does, but hopefully they'll be able to. Yeah, for sure. And another team that um, has signed one of their stars, Chicago Bears franchise tag, um, their wide receiver, Allen Robinson. I know um, I'll be talking about him uh, later uh, in our wide receivers. Um, but yeah, Allen Robinson, he'll get 18 million this coming season on a franchise tag. I know um, people were maybe concerned that he might leave Chicago. Maybe he he wasn't uh, wanting to play in Chicago anymore. He didn't feel like uh, they had a competent quarterback situation there, but uh, clearly he agreed and received this franchise tag. So, I mean, uh, he, I think he does want a long-term deal done, whether that's done this season or in next off season, we'll have to see. 
Um, but I guess for now, he is committed to this team on this franchise tag. Uh, what do you think about this move? Um, I guess he really believes in the Chicago Bears organization. So I guess at this point, it's kind of on the organization to try to uh, build the team a little bit more to try to, I guess, keep him around. Yeah, I mean, like he, he's been playing solid no matter who's been at quarterback. I know in the last uh, two years, uh, he's been, he was third in the league in receptions, third in the league in receiving yards, and second in first downs created. So, I mean, he's putting up top-tier stats. Uh, I mean, with uh, a quarterback like either Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles or, you know, a guy like that, it's not like he has, like, a Russell Wilson, an Aaron Rodgers, a Patrick Mahomes kind of quarterback, you know? And he's, yeah, it's just unreal some of these numbers he's put up. Yeah, especially considering, um, like like you said, the quarter quarterback situation in Chicago isn't the best. And uh, hopefully it'll be uh, better because especially of how, for how good he is, he could, his ceiling is a lot higher than uh, what it looks like. And that's kind of saying a lot considering um, what he's been getting the past couple of seasons. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, going back to his Jacksonville days, the guy put up like 1,500 yards with Blake Bortles as his quarterback. So, I mean, like this guy's so talented. Uh, he just um, – he's great, um, I guess, one-on-one uh, contesting catches. He's always open. Um, he's, he's really a number one receiver on a team, and I think Chicago – must be really happy uh, being able to keep him. Yeah, it'd be really depressing to see your best wide receiver leave and then you're going to be wondering, um, well, we make the playoffs this season, what's going to happen? Are we going to have to rebuild or something? Yeah, I know that's definitely something tough. And I guess speaking of, um, you know, keeping around wide receivers, it looks like Tampa Bay has also placed a franchise tag on Chris Godwin. Um, I know Godwin was one of the main receivers uh, on this team this year. Um, I know he definitely wanted to stay around after the Super Bowl win. And I mean, I guess they get it done. Uh, the franchise tags around $15.8 million. Um, I, I know he definitely wants an extension, but um, there's, there's sort of, uh, I guess, going on the process of trying to keep everyone. Um, I know they have a lot of free agents this year. Another free agent that they uh, were able to agree to an extension with was Levante David. They gave him a two-year, $25 million extension. Um, Yeah, he was another one of the main um, parts to the Super Bowl team. They're a linebacker. Um, Yeah, what are your thoughts on these two signings? Um, I guess it makes Tampa Bay arguably the most talented uh, team in the NFL, especially on offense, and definitely in terms of wide receiver. Um, I guess all three of these wide receivers are top tier. They could they could start on any team that they wanted, and they chose to stay in Tampa Bay, which is a good sign for that city. And then I guess moving to the defensive side, hopefully they can also keep edge rusher Shaq Barrett. Uh, he played under a franchise tag last year. Um, I guess he's looking for an extension this year, so we'll have to see if they can keep him around. I know they still have guys like uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, um, 
I don't know if I think Nadama Kinsu might be a free agent as well. Um, Vita Vey's there. Uh, they just they just have a lot of talented guys there on the defensive side. So keeping Levante David was important. Um, and then just I guess just trying to make sure that they keep Shaq Barrett is another uh, big task for this team. But it really looks like the Tampa Bay is going to be able to keep a lot of these free agents. Assuming that uh, the team that we see in the upcoming season is close enough to the team that we just saw win the Super Bowl, they could make another Super Bowl run. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, listening to um, Tom Brady's quarterback coach this season, and he said that uh, they weren't even playing at their their highest level because, you know, they didn't have training camp and everything before last season. He thought the offense was even better than the product that we were seeing on the field. So, I mean, if he feels like this team hasn't even reached their ceiling yet, then maybe this team can actually play at another level, uh, which is really crazy considering how much talent they have. Do you think they'd be able to pull a three-peat or something? I don't know. We'll have to see. But, yeah, this team definitely has the talent to do it. There's no question about that. Um, And I guess Tom Brady's just making sure that, uh, you know, all the pieces are being kept around. I think the situation he came into in Tampa Bay was a very favorable one, and he really took advantage of that, and he was really able to work with the, the coaching staff and the management just to put together a really good team. And this team is, they they have so much talent and uh, I guess the sky's the limit for them. Yeah, they can go as far as they want to. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I know there's been a couple um, minor signings. There's been, you know, a couple trades here and there. There's been a lot of releases, but we won't get into that. Uh, let's just jump into um, our uh, top 12 uh, half half point PPR uh, wide receiver rankings uh, for the 2021 fantasy season. Um, I guess we'll just move again um, in sets of three. Um, I'll ask you for your top three and you can sort of explain why you have them where uh, it's just an early outlook. Um, I, I know it's uh, tough right now to sort of project where wide receivers might end up because we don't know the landing spots for guys, but um, we're definitely going to do our best. So, um, Nate, let me get to you first. Who are your top three uh, wideouts uh, for this coming year in fantasy half-point PPR? So I guess my top three would be uh, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs. Uh, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, I believe that uh, just based on their performance last season and in past seasons, I think they should be uh, both one and two. Um, they both had the two highest, uh, fantasy total fantasy points, and they've both had the highest fantasy points per game. Devontae Adams had, uh, 300.90 total fantasy points and 21 fantasy points per game. Tyreek Hill had 285 total fantasy points and 19 fantasy points per game. They both have, uh, very good, uh, reception rates. Devontae Adams is 77%. Tyreek is 64 they both get um, a lot of yards and they both get a lot of touchdowns. Uh, something that I think is notable about Tyreek is he can actually run. And he was able to get a couple of rushing touchdowns as a wide receiver, which is very rare. There's not a lot of wide receivers that can do that. And 
I think that kind of gives Tyreek a lot of value because he basically had 17 touchdowns with, uh, I think, 1,276 reception yards. So he's had, I think, less reception yards than both Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs. But because he was able to get two rushing touchdowns with 17 touchdowns, basically he was able to finish uh, second in fantasy this past season. Um, I think Devontae Adams, he could possibly be a two, depending on, I guess, the free agency situation. If uh, Rodgers decides to commit, he's going to be a one, I think. But if he doesn't, he might be a two, but I don't think he's going to be lower than that. And I guess Stephon Diggs, I put him at third because um, he is, I think, uh, the leader for, I think, I think reception yards this season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he got one thousand five hundred and thirty-five. So it's really crazy. Um, he got all, only eight touchdowns though, so he ended up having a lower fantasy point per game than both Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill. Uh, he got sixteen point five fantasy points per game. Um, I guess that's kind of like the thing is you want to have a lot of touchdowns and you want to have a lot of yards like with Stefan Diggs, he had, I think eight touchdowns, which is like just under half of the top two guys. So he would have to, in order to, I guess, catch up with just receiving yards, he'd have to get like bare yards, like even more than what he got now. And uh, I think if he gets more touchdowns, he could uh, go higher than that, but we'll have to see. So that's my top three for now. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. Um, Devontae Adams is also my top uh, receiver. Um, uh, he just finished short of the receiving yard lead to Stefan Diggs, but he did uh, play, I believe, two and a half less games. It might have even been three less games. So um, I just assume in those three games, he definitely would have been closer to 2,000 yards. I mean, Adams had the best season for a wide receiver. I think, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers looking like he is in Green Bay for the foreseeable future. It, it looks like Adams uh, is just going into next year as the top wide receiver, uh, assuming that he's healthy, of course. And uh, you were talking about Tyreek Hill. Um, I have him at number two um, just because... Um, I know Kansas City, uh, they, they freed up a, a lot of their, their receiving uh, room. So, um, I mean, the, the only receivers really in the system right now are Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and McCole Hardman. And we, we've already seen that um, the Kansas City offensive system can hold uh, two number one receivers in it in Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and they can perform at a high-end level. So I'm not worried about uh, Tyreek Hill. Um, he can always create, like you said, from rushing. Uh, he's never had a problem doing that. You said he had a couple rushing touchdowns this year. I believe he also had over 100 rushing yards. So that also goes into fantasy points. Uh, he had over 1,200 receiving yards as well. Um, he had close to 100 catches, I believe. So he he's definitely involved in the offense. He always will be. Uh, that shouldn't be a concern. I know he's very boomer bust. Um, but his bust is not too bad. He doesn't usually drop below uh, 10 half-point PPR uh, points per game in fantasy. 
Um, but his boom is really great. Like he could drop like 45 points on a game. I know uh, this year he really had a, a big game um, that he, he was just like insane uh, this year. I believe it was against Tampa Bay. Uh, he dropped like what, 200, 200 or 300 yards and like three touchdowns or something, something crazy like that. Um, Tyreek Hill has those games and yeah, those are just no, those are like um, week winning games. Like he'll just win the entire week for you by himself. That's how talented Tyreek Hill is. And um, I guess just looking at number three, I don't have Stefan Diggs. I have DeAndre Hopkins. And the reason I have Hopkins there is because he dealt with a lot of injury this year. Um, I guess just at the pace he was playing, he was playing uh, a bit better than Stefan Diggs before he got hurt. I know after he got hurt, he didn't play as well as Diggs, and I and I get that. But um, I guess just in terms of uh, the the whole overall offensive scheme as well, um, I, I think that Hopkins seems to be a safer option. He's more of a security blanket, I feel like, for the Arizona offense. But uh, just to be clear, you you can't go wrong with either of the two. I have Stefan Diggs at fourth. I know we'll get into our next three. Um, I'll just mention my number four being Stefan Diggs. And the reason I have him there is because um, that's sort of my tier. Those top four are sort of in one tier for me. Um, you can't go wrong with any of those four uh, when you're drafting. Um uh, those four are okay going in like a top 12 top 15 scenario on like a big board for example um w- when you're sitting there at the draft they they'd be they'd be drafted the, i guess somewhere between in the top 15 those four among like running backs and then maybe someone like travis kelsey or george kittle um that that would sort of be like what a top 15 big board would look like so i'm definitely confident um like you said, Stefan Diggs led the league in receiving yards. Um, as soon as he got to Buffalo, uh, everything clicked between him and Josh Allen. Um, I, I assume that uh, if it already hasn't been confirmed that the Bills are releasing John Brown, so uh, Stefan Diggs, he's the number one there. There's no question. Um, no one's taking his workload from him. Uh, he's sort of in a similar situation to Hopkins. They're both number one receivers on their team. They both have talented um quarterbacks throwing to them um like like i said uh hopkins is just a preference i guess from uh, i guess just past usage he also has had more years of elite production i also took that into account when ranking hopkins over Diggs. i know Diggs has had good production but his production uh, last year was his only real elite season hopkins has been a an elite fantasy player for many years so i i took that into account to sort of break that tiebreaker but yeah i'll get into your next three so my next three would be uh, Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins at fifth, and DK Metcalf. Um, it was just kind of uh, hard to tell. Um, I guess I was a little bit lower on DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and I put Calvin Ridley at fourth mainly just because of uh, how good his season was. Um I think the only thing that's kind of hurting how good he could be is uh, if Julio Jones is fully healthy and comes back, he'll have to kind of share uh, targets with Julio Jones. So I'm not like a hundred percent sure that he'd be, he would get like the exact same number of 15.8 fantasy points per game. It might be a little bit lower, maybe like 15 or like 14.8, something like that. 
but I think I still think that's uh, very good. Um, he did get uh, one thousand three hundred and seventy-four yards with nine touchdowns, and he did get uh, one two-point conversion, and he has I think a reception rate of about sixty-two percent, which is pretty good. And unfortunately, he did get. Uh, one fumble. Another thing that I think is kind of holding him back is Matt Ryan. Um, he is kind of inconsistent for how good I think he could be, which is kind of a problem for I guess just uh, ATL receivers in general. They're gonna have to deal with I guess throws that are not as good as they could be. So that could affect their reception rate which would end up affecting everything else but i think that uh ridley's talented enough that he should be able to still get a really good production and i put uh deandre hawkins at fifth um i didn't really take into account his uh injuries so he could be higher possibly higher than calvin ridley but I guess just until we see um, how good he is coming back from injury, I just uh, put him at fifth for now. Um, he did get 230 total fantasy points, and he had 14.4 fantasy points per game. And he did get a 1,407 reception yards with six touchdowns. Uh, as you said, he po- he possibly could have gotten more yards and more touchdowns if he was able to stay healthy. So he could have ended up having a similar fantasy point per game rate to Calvin Ridley this season. So we'll have to to see how far he goes. And for DK Metcalf, I believe that um, after Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins, uh, I M- Metcalf he is uh i guess on terms of in terms of talent level he would be similar to those two but i think the thing that's kind of holding him back is how good the nfc west is um it's gonna be really stacked this season there's a lot of really good teams so just because of how competitive it's gonna be it's gonna i think it's gonna affect his game a little bit he did get 14.4 fantasy points per game, so it'll be somewhere around there. But I'm, if especially if DeAndre Hopkins ends up uh, performing better than he did um, last season, then that would put like Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins above Metcalf still in in my opinion. Um, he's still a good wide receiver to pick though. Uh, he got 229 point eight total fantasy points. His reception rate is 64%, and he did get 10 touchdowns and 1,303 yards. So he has the potential to, uh, I guess, to always always be around the, I guess, top, top six. So uh, we'll have to see how much, I guess, uh, being in such a stack division kind of affects him. But I think for now, I decided to put him at top six. So th- those are my four to six. Yeah, um, I know I mentioned that I had Stefan Diggs at number four. I have uh, Calvin Ridley at number five. And the reason I do, um, I guess it's just because of his elite production. Um, 
even though Matt Ryan's his quarterback, he's been producing elite numbers. I know last season, um, he only had one game. Well, I know there was that that zero game, but he he wasn't healthy. Let, let's not talk about the game where he had zero because he was. I know he wasn't fully healthy in that game. Um, besides that game, there was only one game he had under eleven half point PPR fantasy points last season. So he is like his floor for production. If if you would consider eleven points his floor for production, and you, I mean, he's such a young player. His ceiling is just endless. Um, he's just one of those guys that, I mean, he has top five potential. Um, let's just say you're drafting him at maybe late second, early third round this coming year, but he's a guy that could return like first round values. That's not something that we can debate. Um, I, I, this is just assuming that Atlanta is going to be a past heavy offense again, like they have been for the past few seasons. That's sort of like what I'm projecting. Um, Calvin Ridley would end up fifth. He's like the beginning of my sort of second tier. Um, and then the, uh, in sixth, I, ha- I also have DK Metcalf. The reason I have him there uh, is just because, um, I think over the, the, the other guys underneath him, he has a lot of potential. He's very young. Um, I know, like you said, he didn't put up some of the averages that guys like Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins and those guys have, but, um, I think also like assuming Russell Wilson is back uh, in Seattle for next season, uh, just assuming a lot of uh, the situation is the same for DK Metcalf. I believe that he can definitely put up that top 10 level production. So I have him at sixth. Um, he's definitely a guy that can move into the top five, I guess, just depending, um, you know, um, on the situation, on how he plays. Um, I know there were a couple games where uh, either Jalen Ramsey locked him up or he just didn't have a good game overall. If he can sort of overcome uh, some of those setbacks uh, in his in, in the way he plays uh, the game, I think that uh, Metcalf can sort of be a, a solid return uh, for you in fantasy. Um, before I ask you for your next three, I just want to add that my seventh guy is AJ Brown and he's sort of that last guy of my second tier uh, of receivers. Um, the reason I have AJ Brown there at seventh, um, his production was just so solid last season. Um, and then just looking sort of at tenant, uh, what, what Tennessee does with their offense, uh, he really only seems to be like the the main pass catcher there right now. They haven't assigned Corey Davis back yet. Um, they just really uh, haven't brought anyone else. I believe they released Adam Humphreys as well. Um, so they don't have a lot of receivers there. Um, I mean, this guy was, he was putting up, I, I believe uh, he had one, two, uh, three, four, four games over 20 fantasy points. Um, and then... I believe he only had like like three or four games uh, under um, 10 fantasy points. One of those games, he wasn't fully healthy. So if you take that game out, he was just so solid overall this season. Um, A.J. Brown has so much talent. Um, he, uh, he played in college uh, with a guy like D.K. Metcalf. They've trained together. They have similar builds. Um, I, I just feel like A.J. Brown, uh, he's... I feel like seven is just like his floor almost. I feel like that, like just by watching him, I feel like that if Tennessee really wants to make this guy a top five receiver, they could do it, especially like Ryan Tannehill's played really well since getting to Tennessee. Uh, he can definitely make AJ Brown that top level uh, receiver. And I feel like um, just in my opinion, that AJ Brown is sort of safer than 
uh, a lot of the guys I have underneath him. So if you're really looking for a safe option at wide receiver, um, you can't really go wrong with AJ Brown, in my opinion. But I'll give you the chance to talk about your next three. Sure. So I guess seven, eight, nine are Michael Thomas, AJ Brown, and Justin Jefferson. I put Michael Thomas higher mainly because of his upside. Um, he only played seven games in 2020. Um, I believe he did have an, an injury. Uh, so I did look at mostly his 2019 stats because I thought that would be a little bit more accurate of what he could do. And he did get 300 fantasy points and 18.8 fantasy points per game with an 80% reception rate. And he did get 1,725 yards in 2019 with nine touchdowns. So that would have put him, I guess, I believe third this season if he ended up getting these kind of numbers. Um, I don't think he's going to get 18.8 fantasy points a game again. Um, main reason, I, I believe Drew Brees is retiring. So they're probably going to replace him with somebody else. And Drew Brees was the best quarterback on that team, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league when he played. So it's going to be hard to get that production um, when you're not playing with like one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he should still be elite. Um, assuming that I guess Jameis Winston ends up becoming the starting quarterback, somebody like him ends up being the starting quarterback for new Orleans. Um, his Winston is decent, but he's again, as like similar to Matt Ryan, he's kind of inconsistent. Um, he throws a lot of incomplete, uh, throws. Uh, he does throw a lot of uh, picks as well. So that's gonna, I think, affect a lot of wide receivers in New, in New Orleans, and it'll probably affect Michael Thomas as well. So that's probably gonna, I guess, limit Michael Thomas's production. I don't think he'd be above anybody in the top six, but I think in terms of upside, he could have a higher upside than A.J. Brown, depending on, I guess, just on how good he is after he comes back and kind of just how uh, good Winston can be and kind of how consistent uh, Winston will be able to throw. And I guess for A.J. Brown, just like you said, um, the focal point of Tennessee is Derrick Henry, and he still got 15.2 fantasy points per game, and he only played 14 games. Uh, he got 11 touchdowns and 1,073 yards, and he got one return touchdown, and he got 66% for his reception rate. He did get uh, one fumble, but I think just based on his production, 15.2 uh, fantasy points per game was higher than a lot of the people in top six, but again, he's just outside of the top six. Um, I think... Uh, I guess Derrick Henry being the focal point of the offense for Tennessee, because Tennessee is a run heavy offense. That's probably going to, I guess, cap his uh, upside a bit, but um, I, th I think just like you said, he is a consistent, consistent uh, wide receiver. If you pick him, he's not going to have a lot of bad nights. I think that's something that can be said about AJ Brown. And I think for 
Justin Jefferson, um, he's another a really good wide receiver. Got fourteen hundred yards, seven touchdowns. His he had two two point conversions, and he had a seventy percent reception rate. So again, those are uh, very good numbers. He's a very consistent catcher. Um, I think uh, Dalvin Cook being the focal point of Minnesota is probably going to cap his upside as as well. In terms of talent, he's very talented. He could go higher than ninth in terms of talent, but uh, we'll have to, I guess, kind of see how that kind of plays out, especially with uh, Dalvin Cook is still going to be in Minnesota. So he could maybe get a little bit higher than 14.4, but it's not going to be like that drastic. I would still put um, AJ Brown over Justin Jefferson. And if Michael Thomas ends up uh, playing kind of close to his potential, he could be higher than Justin Jefferson as well, which is why I put him at ninth. All right, yeah. Um, I guess just looking, I told you A.J. Brown was my seventh. I have Michael Thomas at eighth, and the reason I have him at eight is, like you said, we don't know the quarterback situation in New Orleans. Um, we don't know whether it's going to be Taysom Hill, whether it's going to be Jameis Winston, or whether they might sign another quarterback, maybe a guy like Alex Smith, or whether they might draft someone like maybe like Mac Jones, someone like that. So we really just don't know who the quarterback of this team is going to be. Uh, we don't know how much they're going to target. Um, Michael Thomas, I know we talked about um, the whole concern with Alvin Kamara. That concern is real with a guy like Michael Thomas also. Um, he's definitely a top 10 receiver. There's no question about that. I have him at eighth, but um, yeah, I just can't put him higher than that until we know for sure who's going to be playing quarterback in that situation. I guess moving to number nine, I have Allen Robinson at number nine. Uh, this is coming after uh, him receiving uh, the franchise tag uh, from the Chicago Bears. And uh, like we talked about, um, for the past two years, uh, he's been second in receptions, third in, in receiving yards over the past two years, um, second in uh, first downs uh, uh, gotten, and he's just... He, he's just been unstoppable um, ever since he's gone to Chicago. I mean, even back in Jacksonville, we talked about him uh, just being dominant. Um, Allen Robinson is a dominant player. Um, I just feel like he's a safer option than the other guys I have um, for my last three in the top 12. I feel like that if you draft Allen Robinson, he's going to get the targets. I mean, if he's getting the second most catches in the last two years, I mean, this is the guy, right? So, I mean, he catches are important. It's half point PPR. You're getting half a point per catch. Um, he's getting the receiving yards. Um, he's just a solid overall receiver. And it, it also, uh, you don't need to worry about who the quarterback is because he does it with any quarterback. That's another thing. With Michael Thomas, we don't know. Um, the only reason I have Thomas above him is just like you talked about the upside uh, with previous seasons. But if you're looking for a safer player, Allen Robinson is definitely a safer player than Michael Thomas, in my opinion. So, um, like we, like we said, we know he can do uh, he can get production uh, with any quarterback uh, there in Chicago, and uh, even if they come back with Mitch Trubisky again this season, I had, I'm confident that he's going to be a top ten receiver uh, in my eyes. But yeah, uh, let me get to you for your, your last three. 
So for my last three, um, I put Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, and uh, Mike Evans. Uh, Julio Jones, he same with Michael Thomas. He only played uh, nine games. He was on pace uh, to get thirteen point four fantasy points per per game in twenty twenty. In twenty nineteen, I believe he had fifteen fantasy points per game. He had one thousand three hundred ninety four yards with six touchdowns. Um, he, I will probably some get something close to fifteen points per game, maybe a little bit lower. Um, he will be splitting targets with Calvin Ridley, and um, Matt Ryan is like I said, it's he's kind of inconsistent, so it kind of affects how good Julio Jones can play. But Julio Jones has made it to the Super Bowl with Matt Ryan as a quarterback. So I think he can still get a really good production. It's just kind of we have to kind of see how how good he can be uh, after he comes back with the injury. Uh, Keenan Allen, he's uh, 11th. Uh, he mainly because he got 13.9 fantasy points per game. His reception rate was 68%, which is, I think, pretty good. He did also get eight touchdowns and 992 reception yards, and he got a one two-point conversion. He did get two fumbles, so basically, based on that, he's just outside the top 10. Um, his reception yards are a little bit too low. He would probably have to get more touchdowns to kind of make up for that. Um, I think that he's, if, if Justin Herbert, uh, he could get kind of something a little bit higher, maybe something in the 14 range, but uh, we'll have to see how good Keenan Allen can be. Um, I put Mike Evans at 12th, but I think you could put him higher than Keenan Allen. Um, he's, I get hit. I think he got 13.4 fantasy points per game and he got, I think 1,006 yards. He is playing with Tom Brady. So his numbers are going to be pretty consistent. I think it's going to be something close to 13.4. It might, he might end up, uh, jumping higher, especially based on what the, uh, coach said, they didn't even play their best football. So he could make a, a jump and he does have higher upside than Keenan Allen. So you could put, uh, put him ahead of Keenan Allen. Um, the only thing I think that might be kind of holding him back is he's going to be sharing targets with other elite players. Like there's just so many, uh, good, uh, catchers on Tampa Bay that it's going to be, hard, I guess, hard to see how, how high he goes, but in terms of talent, he's very talented. I think he's more talented than Keenan Allen, but again, we'll have to kind of see how um, far he goes. Uh, I decided to kind of add a sleeper pick. I put, I guess I put Odell. Um, he's, I can't put him on the top 12 as of right now, mostly because there's just too many questions about his uh, free agency. Um, he did seem committed to Cleveland, but even assuming that he stays in Cle in Cleveland, um, we don't know if he's 100% healthy. Um, he didn't have 
a chance to kind of adjust to Stefanski's system. So we don't know how well he'll do with Stefanski's system. Uh, with Freddie Kitchen's uh, system, Odell was kind of throwing Baker Mayfield off. Um, Baker Mayfield felt like he had to kind of force throws to Odell, and that kind of hurt both of their production. Um, Stefanski should be better at using um, Odell because he's a better coach than Freddie Kitchens. Um, the Browns are very run heavy as well. They but they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and that's kind of the I guess one of the focal points of the Browns offense. They like to run the football a lot, so that's also I think gonna uh, cap Odell's upside and there's a lot of um, wide receivers that I think had uh, more synergy with Baker Mayfield for example Jarvis Landry he's also very good so it's going to be hard to see how good um, Odell will be in terms of talent he's top 12 but uh, just um, his fit with the team we're just going to have to see yeah for sure um, and I guess just looking uh, sort of at my last three and then I'm sort of I can just talk to you about yours. Um, I have Keenan Allen at 10th. Um, the reason I have him in the top 10 is because in his past two seasons, he's had over 100 receptions in both seasons. And um, although that might not matter as much in a standard league, this is half point PPR. So that definitely elevates him over. Uh, some of the other guys that I have uh, on my list. Um, I mean, if you're getting over 100 catches, that's at least 50 fantasy points per season added on to whatever you're getting in yardage and touchdowns. So um, he's definitely Justin Herbert's number one target. Um, he, I know Hunter Henry's leaving in free agency, so Keenan Allen is the main guy there. Um, he's just going to be garnering all of the um, targets up the middle, um he's just a solid player as well um i guess everything is sort of falling into place for him to be a top 10 receiver um and i mean he his production um once he got in tune with justin herbert last year his production was great um he was just uh, so consistent and i think that's definitely what you want from a, a top 10 receiver so i have keenan keenan allen at number 10 um number 11 and 12 i couldn't decide between the two uh they're they're pretty close in in my book so i have julio jones at number 11 and i have justin jefferson at number 12 um and the reason why i think that they're so close is because we didn't see uh, julio jones's full potential last year with him being injured and when he was in the lineup it just changed the entire dynamic of the atlanta falcons offense I felt like uh, Matt Ryan, when Julio Jones was not in the lineup, he was sort of rushing a lot of his throws, whether it was to Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, or, or whatever. But when Julio Jones was in the lineup, uh, Matt Ryan, I, I guess he was more focused because he knew that if he was in a bad situation, I guess he could just throw it to Julio Jones. So I guess maybe it made him relax a little bit more from what I noticed. Uh, the offense seemed more efficient when Julio was in the lineup. So he's definitely also one of those players that um, if he's fully healthy, he has top five potential. That's that's the only reason I have him over Justin Jefferson because I feel like Jefferson, he took that step in his rookie year. Sometimes people bounce back in their sophomore years. That's one thing that I've noticed. You know, Some of them will take the next step like a DK Metcalf did last year. But sometimes, you know, if a guy has an amazing rookie year like Justin Jefferson did, he might take a step back. 
So I think we want to temper the expectations on him. We don't want to go all in uh, in case something like that does happen. Julio Jones is more proven. Uh, Julio Jones, like I said, has that top five upside. Um, And he's just in a pass-heavy offense as well. That's one thing I can't say about Justin Jefferson uh, in the Viking system. They're not as pass heavy. So if Thielen starts soaking up a lot of targets, Justin Jefferson, you know, might, uh, I mean, he won't fall outside the top 12, I don't think, but he might not ascend to that top five, top eight area where I know some people have been wanting to take Justin Jefferson. So I think just temper your expectations um, with uh, both of these players as Julio has not been as healthy last year so definitely uh, both of them they're they could be in the top 10 but they're not because of both i guess injury questions uh for jefferson i guess scheme and sophomore uh questions but um i guess just one question for you um you didn't have alan robinson in your top 12 where would you see him sort of in your rankings um i guess with alan robinson he'd be maybe 13th um again he does have top 12 potential uh he could you could put him above mike evans and keelan keenan allen um i just wasn't sure how good he would be i guess assuming that uh they don't get a better quarterback than mitch trubisky in chicago like like you said allen robinson he can get elite numbers with anybody but in order to kind of uh, break away and kind of, I guess, be top 12. I was just thinking that uh, you might need a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. So in terms of potential, he's definitely top 12. Um, in terms of how he'll be able to use it, I think he'd be just outside side of that. But again, uh, he could very well prove me wrong. He's just that good, so we'll have to see. Yeah, and then I guess just looking at Michael Thomas, or not Michael Thomas, uh, Mike Evans, um, I think I would have had him in my top 12 before they uh, brought Chris Godwin back, but now they brought Chris Godwin back. I feel like Godwin, in my opinion, is sort of the more consistent receiver. I think they're sort of around the same area in drafts. They might be like my 14th and 15th uh, receivers, um, just because, um, you know, there's both of them and there's Antonio Brown. So we don't know about their sort of production. I know you like Evans and his production. I side more on Chris Godwin's side. I just because I feel like, you know, he um, it's half point PPR. He's getting um, more um, catches uh, up the middle. His yardage and touchdowns might not be as much as Evans. But I feel like he's a little bit more consistent. That sort of offsets it, but they are pretty close. I guess, in my opinion. And then I guess uh, going back to a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, like you said, he's one of the top 10 most talented receivers in the league. He's just got to put it all together in Cleveland and sort of come up with that big season. Can he do it? Yeah. I think maybe he might um, be in like my top 15 or 16, somewhere around there. But yeah, um, definitely. he He's definitely a player to look out for, uh, for sure. Yeah. I feel like somebody like um, Allen Robinson or Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, those are players that like, um, they're they're like I said, they're like uh, sleeper picks. If you get them later in the draft, people aren't feeling them for whatever reason, and you end up getting them in like a later round, uh, you're not gonna be disappointed for sure. 
And another thing to look at, like um, I know you were talking about uh, where running back should go last week. Uh, if people were wondering, I think maybe talking about where receivers should go. Uh, let's just say you decide to go running back heavy in the first two rounds. Let's just say you have like the fifth pick. Let's just say you take a guy like Saquon Barkley. Then you come back in the next round and you grab like, I don't know, Josh Jacobs, for example. Those are your two running backs. Those are your first two picks. And then you still haven't taken a wide receiver. And then a lot of the top guys are gone. Then maybe guys like Chris Godwin, maybe an Odell Beckham. Um, you know, you can pair a couple of them together. Let's just say you paired Allen Robinson and Odell Beckham, and those can be your top two receivers to go along with those two high-end running backs. So then you have a pretty solid team right there. Yeah, I agree with that. Those are like really two solid picks. Even like having Allen, Allen Robinson after having two elite running backs. Like Allen Robinson, he's very he's a very consistent catcher. So if you're getting a wide receiver in a later round, that's probably the most important thing. A wide receiver who can just catch consistently. Yeah, and I guess just sort of looking for those guys with upside. I know guys last year like Calvin Ridley, uh, DK Metcalf, guys like Robert Woods, they went a little bit later, but they really maximized on their potential. I know I don't have Robert Woods in my top 12. I don't feel like he's a top 12, but I feel like he's another one of those guys that um, Matthew Stafford's there now um, in LA. So both him and Cooper Cup are sort of in that situation, maybe to a lesser degree of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. They... Um, they're going to get solid production. Um, they're definitely sort of sleeper picks. I mean, if you're able to grab one of them, I don't recommend getting both, but if you can get one of them, um, maybe as your second wide out, like let's just say you grab one of these more top 12 options, um, maybe in it, with your third pick you, or your second pick, you grab one. And then maybe you're just looking at, oh, um, third or fourth round, who should I take a look at? Uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are definitely... Uh, guys on my radar for sure yeah i agree with that matthew stafford's gonna raise their uh, ceiling by a lot so he's pro they're gonna probably have nights where uh they do like extremely well like maybe they get like 15 points or 20 points and then you're gonna wonder like why did nobody pick these people so they do have that kind of potential i think yeah i definitely think so um and then I guess just, um, I, I don't know if you have any last thoughts about just either my list or your list or just anything wide receiver in general. I guess just um, wide receiver in general, I guess I was just wondering, um, I guess in terms of, I guess, more general thoughts, um, do you think people should be getting wide receivers earlier in the draft or later? Um, I like, I know we talked about it a bit last week. Um, the running back heavy approach is like a tried and true method. It's always worked. I know we talked about, you know, taking two wide receivers with the first two rounds and then sort of getting a lesser running back in the third round, but you're not really getting the quality of running backs like you are with wide receivers. I feel like, okay, if you look at the top 12 running backs and then you look at the top 24 wide receivers, I feel like there's comparables there. Like a guy in the top 24 running backs might not get top 10 potential, but a guy in the top 24 wide receivers could elevate himself into top 10 potential. 
So it's easier to find gems later with wide receivers than it is for running backs, which is why I suggest that you draft more running back heavy early. Um, unless you see an opportunity at an amazing player like a Devontae Adams, like maybe if you're looking at tight end, if Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, guys like that, they're they're sort of sitting there and uh, either you, you sort of know which running back you want next round or you sort of have that sort of draft plan to sort of incorporate that. But um, like I said, in the first two rounds, at least one should be running back. Yeah, I think like uh, drafting a wide receiver earlier is kind of you have to um have a favorable I guess uh pick for it. Like you can't I don't think you can be reaching for a wide receiver um even somebody as good as like Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams uh, mainly because like if you miss a running back then you're going to you're basically going to be rolling the dice every week if you don't have a good good enough running back and even I think you could even like kind of take a risk and get like three running running backs early and then try to get wide receivers later uh just because uh like you said a lot of wide receivers they can have really good nights and have kind of top 12 production so even if you don't get like a top 12 or wide receiver if you get somebody just outside of that like uh, 13 to 20, I think you should be all right. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely different strategies to go. But like I said, if you're taking at least one running back per, like in your first two picks, uh, that's important. If you, if you don't have one running back in your first two picks, then things start to get problematic. Maybe you can't find uh, a high-end starter um like j- there's just different issues that you run into you're relying on the waiver every week which is unstable um because you might not have waiver priority depending on how your league works uh some leagues are just uh like a, a fir- first first come first serve basis but not all leagues are like that some of them have waivers they roll through so um yeah it, it's not reliable in my opinion um like if you really love a wide receiver and you want to take them, make sure you follow with your next pick, taking a running back just to sort of offset that Um, you should be okay uh, like that. And then also, like I said, two running backs uh, should be good uh, strategy as well. Yeah. I guess like some people might want to be a little bit more unorthodox. Maybe they kind of see some kind of wide receiver situation um really working working out so maybe they'll draft a wide receiver a little bit earlier but like even uh especially i guess like a lot of people are going to be taking a running backs early because again it works Mm -hmm. so i guess maybe if you feel like you might not have a chance at getting for example uh maybe like a top three running back maybe you can get a wide receiver earlier or like a tight end earlier and then try to get uh, a running back kind of a little bit later, maybe with your second or third pick. Yeah, I guess it just depends on where you're picking uh, for sure. Um, Different strategies change just depending where you're from, where you're drafting on the board. So I guess just uh, mock drafts are important. You know, uh, if you're really not sure about what you want to do, maybe go into a mock draft 
I know Yahoo is always running mock drafts uh, near the start of the season. You can just hop into one. You can sort of place yourself in the, the same place that you'd be drafting from in your regular league and then just sort of draft a team from there, see, you know, where players are going, that kind of thing. Yeah. I guess like another thing people can look at, especially if they've been in leagues uh, for a few times is kind of just look at like kind of your old teams and how did they do compared to the rest of the teams in your league and like see which was your strongest point, which was your weakest point as well. And then maybe say like, okay, this, uh, this year and last year I was kind of weak in this area. So maybe I'll try to get, another tight end or something for example a lot of people were having uh, trouble with tight ends so maybe this year you might want to get travis kelsey instead of like a wide receiver uh, mainly because tra- travis kelsey does get like a lot of yards so maybe you can get somebody like him earlier in the drafts and or maybe you didn't get enough running backs so one of your running backs got injured and then you were having to look at the waiver every week just to see who is there. So maybe you might end up drafting an extra uh, running back. Um, Maybe you just like running backs in general. So you'll have an extra running back in the flex or something like that. So I guess that's kind of like another thing people can do. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's the end of this Fanatics football episode. Uh, We'll be back um, either Friday or Saturday with an Everything NHL episode as well. um, We'll be back next week with another Fanatics football episode. Uh, Thanks again, Nate, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again on the next episode.